And for those of us that remain here, we have another invitation to pass peace between each other with our challenge of not being able to give each other the bear hugs that we love to be able to give each other. So there's a practice that I uh, learned recently, um, comes from an African greeting. I'm not sure which country or culture in Africa, but um, it's a really beautiful way of greeting each other. Where one person says, here I am, and the others respond, I see you. Here I am, I see you. So um, if you're um, at home and you've got someone there, um, I invite you to turn and, and say, here I am, and respond, I see you. For those of you here, I'd like to invite this side of the room to say, here I am, and then you all respond, I see you, and then we'll swap. So if you want to stand up and you stand up and look at each other, and um, then, so why don't this side, you, you all say, here I am. And you all respond, I see you. I see and then you. this side, here I am. And this side. And um, for those of you online, would you say, we're all going to look at that camera right at the base of the cross, okay? So if you all say online, here I am. Here I am. And we'll go and respond, I see you. And we'll say, here we are. Here we are. And we're trusting that you're saying back to us, I see you. So um, welcome, everybody. Let us see each other as we move forward. You're welcome to be seated as we begin or we continue our service this morning. Our scripture this morning comes from Ezekiel chapter 17, verses 22 to 24. The Lord God proclaims, I myself will take one of the top branches from the tall cedar. I will pluck a tender shoot from its crown, and I myself will plant it on a very high and lofty mountain. On Israel's mountainous highlands, I will plant it and it will send out branches and bear fruit. It will grow into a mighty cedar. Birds of every kind will nest in it and find shelter in the shade of its boughs. Then all the trees in the countryside will know that I, the Lord, will bring down the tall tree and raise up the lowly tree and make the green tree wither and dry tree bloom. I, the Lord, have spoken it, and I will do it. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us, we say, thanks be to God. Well, it's another year of Jenny's experimentation and trying to grow dahlias in her backyard. And uh, you may remember last year, if you were listening in, that I was anxiously awaiting for those dahlia, dahlias to come up in my yard, and they are running a little slow again this year, I have to say. Um, this year I did a better job at prepping the soil and putting in all of the amendments that I thought needed to happen, 
but those dahlias are not all coming up on my timing. So, um, and some are growing where they weren't supposed to grow. And um, Betsy, I probably need your help at some point, but uh, the dahlias, dahlia is my favorite um, flower. And so I am bravely trying to grow them this year. I'm making plans about how I can collect the shower water to be able to water them when the drought restrictions come. Like I'm really mapping this out in my head to be able to get some beautiful dahlias again this year. But it does say, and I have learned this, that whenever you're growing a dahlia, when it gets to be about a certain height, which is a little higher than this, a little lower than this plant, about 12 to 15 inches, you're supposed to go in and pluck out the center of the plant. And so this is really hard for me because I worked really hard for these dahlias, not this one in particular. I bought this at the nursery yesterday, true confessions, but to pluck, pluck out this little shoot of a plant that I have planted hard, that I have been watching for for weeks, and all of a sudden to take that out. But in truth, I didn't do that last year. And so my, my plants got a little straggly and, and tall, and I should have had the courage to go in there and take out that center bit of the plant to allow it to get fuller. Obviously, someone did this at the nursery before I bought it um, because it's looking pretty good and healthy. And this is kind of the image that we get in this passage in Ezekiel where it says that God will come to the, the tallest and the most beautiful cedar tree and pluck out that top green shoot. And then God will take it, it says, up onto the mountaintop and plant it there. Which reminds me another, of another one of my favorite plants in the world, which is mountain fruit vines from Napa Valley. <laughs> I love to have, I love those mountain fruit wines because they're, they're robust and you can almost taste how hard that, that vine has worked to grow in that rocky soil. So it says God will take that tender shoot and plant it up on the mountain. This is a, an interesting image that says to us a lot about how God works in the world, about how God works in our own lives, about what we can be watching for as we live our lives with God. God taking that top branch of the tallest tree, the one you're most proud of, the one you think is your, is your only hope, the one that you think is going to make it, and replanting it somewhere else. It's this declaration that, that it is in the unexpected places that God does some pruning, sometimes in the places that we are most proud of, the places we think where our security is, that God takes something from there, and yet where our hope is, is that God is always replanting somewhere else, sometimes in the least expected places. This text um, in Ezekiel was written to people who were under exile, an experience that many of us cannot even imagine, what it would have been like to be forcibly removed from your home and your homeland, to be put in a foreign country under an occupying government. 
to have had families separated, to be missing those tender places. This text comes to the people of Israel who feel as if the thing that is tall and big in their world is the empire, is Babylon. And there comes this prophetic word to those oppressed people saying, I will pluck something out of that that empire, and I will put it on a different mountain, and I will reestablish you in Jerusalem. Ezekiel invites us to consider how God works with the systems of this world, the systems of this world that we think is where our hope lies, that we think where that is where the future is, in those things, places that are strong, and those institutions that are moving forward. This word of Ezekiel, while it feels a little violent to to pluck out that top of that cedar tree, is actually a promise to people who need to know those systems are not where your hope lies. Instead, your hope lies in a God who can plant on the mountain, a God who can make something grow where it seems there is no hope. The passage ends by saying, I, the Lord, bring down the tall tree and raise up the lowly tree and make the green tree wither and the dry tree bloom. So what's here for us in this passage of multiple kind of metaphors running and lots of things to consider? You know, where where in our lives are we the cedar tree that maybe needs to be taken down? And where are we the ones that are hoping that the mountain fruit will be planted? That's a difficult question. I think for my answer is I am all of those things every day. My life is a very privileged woman living in the United States, living in one of the priciest zip codes in our country. Sometimes I think there are things about my life and our system that I live in that are like that first cedar tree that needs maybe a little bit of of transplanting, where there are ways in which we are called to share those fresh green shoots of our society and our lives and how we live, to to let some of those things go so that they can be planted in other places in our world. And there is no doubt that in this prophecy from Ezekiel, it is a a prophecy against empire and dominant superpowers, that God is establishing justice where it is needed the most. It's an indictment against governments that can act in their own self-interest or out of trying to protect each little green shoot that's coming up instead of investing in branches that can, that can go far and shade many people. And Ezekiel invites us to consider how God may see these systems when they do not work for the common good. God is working to establish justice. But I think there's also a personal aspect to this metaphor that I want us to spend some time with today to consider where this lands in our lives because systems and the way we look at the world is not separate from what's happening in our world. And the more we can see consistency in in the ways that God works, the more that, that we can embody and be fully present in all of these levels of our lives and our society. 
Because it's also true that in our lives, there are times where there are young green shoots that, that are taken away from us. It's people that we have lost, capacities that we no longer have, maybe physical or emotional, that we lose through sickness or through aging. There's brokenness and wounding in us. There's weaknesses. And, and we, we struggle to know why it sometimes feels as if those things are plucked and pruned out of our lives. And I'm not saying that's always God's hand that does that, but it does seem that often there's things that we, are, we lose that are our hope, that are those little green shoots that we're waiting to, to see come up. Those places where we thought our hope was and our strength was. And so this passage invites us to hope in that loss for ourselves as well. To hope in a God that can take those things and plant them in a different place. A place in which our lives can grow, maybe not with all of the strength that we we wanted, but they can grow broad and our branches of our lives, both as individuals and communities, as nations, our, our leaves can go out and provide shade for many. This passage invites a simple trust that what feels lost can be restored, that what feels lost can be renewed. This summer, as uh, I was looking for a theme for us to to engage with over the next few months, um, I came to think about this poem by Mary Oliver called The Summer Day. It's a, I would say it's almost the Psalm 23 of the American poetry world. You know, and if you know, um, know something about me, I was telling the staff this week, I don't like to do things that are, you know, nor the normal thing. I like to look for the unusual. I like to be, um, you know, on the edge. I'd rather have a poem that was written in, you know, last summer than one that was written by Mary Oliver and posted all over the internet. Nevertheless, this poem came to me as the poem for this summer, the summer day. So I'd like to read it to you. Who made the world? Who made the swan and the black bear? Who made the grasshopper? This grasshopper, I mean. The one who has flung herself out of the grass. The one who is eating sugar out of my hand. Who is moving her jaws back and forth instead of up and down. Who is gazing around with her enormous and complicated eyes. Now she lifts her pale forearms and thoroughly washes her face. Now she snaps her wings open and floats away. I don't know exactly what a prayer is. I do know how to pay attention, how to fall down into the grass, how to kneel down in the grass, how to be idle and blessed, how to stroll through the fields, which is what I have been doing all day. Tell me, what else should I have done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me what it is you plan to do with your one wild and precious life. At the the center of this beautiful 
and nearly fluffy poem <laughs> about a summer day is loss. Did you hear it? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? This tiny little line, I think, is the key to this poem, is what makes it come back to us again and again. How will we live even when everything we know will die? How do we live when, when the things that we put our trust in, those little shoots of green growth, are sometimes plucked out of our lives? Mary Oliver invites us to to the sacredness of life. In light of that kind of loss, in light of the places where we're not sure that, that we can survive what's been plucked out, she invites us to go slowly and prayerfully, attentively, honestly, live within our limits, open to the tiniest mysteries such as the grasshopper's movement to taste the mountain fruit as well as the flute fruit from the valley floor, invites us to a way of being that allows us to access this hope that we read about in Ezekiel, hope that can come to us in our places of exile, the hope for those that are, that are oppressed and not sure the systems of the world will work for them hope for those places where we are losing capacity or not sure that we have what it takes. But that is where God comes in and replants something new. This poem right-sizes our lives and our perspectives so that we can build a world that is defined by that beautiful tree that offers shade to the world. As we enter into this summer season, our schedules are beginning to fill up again. I don't know about you, but I've got every weekend booked, I think, from now till October, it feels like. The demands are beginning to return. So I'd invite you this summer to give yourself some space and time. Give yourself some time to kneel down in the grass. Allow your hope and your trust to be in the God who, who is always reseeding those tender shoots in our world. Allow God to plant those seedlings of hope in your life. Be a part of planting those seedlings of hope and love in the world. And may we do this together through the power of Jesus Christ within us. Amen. Barbary's going to sing with bright morning stars, and um, Krista's going to play with her as we reflect on the word of God within us. Bright morning stars, arise Bright morning stars are
Bye.